Um, and we're going to be, we're in week three of our I Am Jesus series. Uh, so far uh, in week one, Ian looked at uh, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And we looked at the different voices of, of, that we hear that are competing for our attention. That's really airy, isn't it? If I turn this way. I'm not trying to ignore you over here. I just think it's better. Um, and so uh, in week one, we, the different voices that are competing for our attention. In, in week two, last week, we looked at um, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, right? Uh, in me, there is no darkness because darkness will never defeat the light. And today we're going to be looking at, at another I am statement of Jesus uh, in John chapter 15. And so I invite you to grab your Bible. If you brought your Bible, if you happen to pick up a blue Bible with you somewhere, it's on page 764 in John chapter 15. Um, we're going to be looking at verse five of John chapter 15 for the next few moments. And in that text, Jesus says these words. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the amazing thing about this is where it's found in the context of the scripture, okay? So you have uh, John chapter 15 is in the middle of John 13 and 18. In John chapter 13, we find Jesus doing uh, this thing that we call the Last Supper, the thing we just celebrated. And the reason we creatively call it the Last Supper is because it was the Last Supper Jesus had with his disciples. So pretty ingenious, right? Is anybody listening? Are you there with me? Okay, thank you. Good. I thought that was funnier than you did, obviously. There you courtesy laugh. Then you have uh, chapter 18, and, and you have Jesus uh, talking to his disciples uh, right before his, his uh, crucifixion. And so uh, uh, imagine that what happens in between there is what some people have, have determined to be dinner conversation. These are the things Jesus was telling his disciples. Now, imagine with me if you're having a dinner with your friends and family, and you know it's the last time you're going to see them because you know that you're going to go die. You're probably going to tell them the important things, right? You're going to tell them the things that you want them to know, some, some life story, some life lesson that you want to, them to take with them. Share with them the wisdom that you have. And this is the context in which Jesus says to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But why? Why is this an important statement? I want to illustrate it this way, and, and uh, bear with me here for a minute, but this is a healthy tree. I know it's not very big, but it's a healthy tree. It's in good soil. It is, it is planted well, and it's going to bear uh, fruit eventually, and it, it, is, it is going to be healthy all season long. Here you have a not-so-good tree, right? So I ask you, which one of these two, if you had to be connected to one of them, would you like to be connected to? The obvious answer, for those of you playing at home, is this one, right? This is the one that we should want to be connected to. But oftentimes, we, we don't understand that that's what we need to be connected to. John, Jesus said, I am the true vine in John chapter 15, which would imply that there are false vines that we can connect ourselves to as well. Things like that one over there. That is a, it, this tree right here, it looks pretty good from a distance, doesn't it? The problem is, it has no roots. It's a fake plastic fica tree. That's why it's you know, almost tied to the speaker over there, so it'll stand up in the wind. It has no sustenance, but it looks good, doesn't it? I mean, if you had to pick from the three from where you are, you'd probably go with that one. And there are a lot of things, I think, in our, in our world and in our society that, that look like that and say, hey, connect with me. 
Would you, you know, get with me and, and I'll promise you all of these things. I'm going to help you look good. Things like our job. Our jobs tell us that if you climb the ladder that you will produce fruit. And there's nothing inherently wrong about climbing the ladder and having a better job and doing those things. But if you're connecting to your job in order to find fruit, in order to find that fulfillment, it's, it's just not going to be successful. There's things like our social status. People want to know what you are doing. And, and you have a lot of followers on uh, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And people are always liking your statuses right? It's a, it's a good thing, and it's just not where you should be getting your fruit. It's not going to produce lasting fruit. There's, there's things like your public image. You have to wear the right clothes. You have to drive the right car, go to the right school, have the right education. Your kids act a certain way. And again, those things are not bad. They're not wrong. It's just if that's what you're connecting to, it's not going to produce lasting fruit. We need to stay connected to the true vine. And the reason for that is because to, connecting to the true vine produces fruit. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And and here's what I would ask you to consider. What if Jesus wasn't talking about just fruit, right? Fruit that a tree would produce. What if he's actually talking about the fruit of the spirit we find in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22? What if he's actually talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? What if that's what Jesus is referring to when he says, you will produce much fruit? For me personally, this uh, staying connected to the vine thing has kind of all come together in in one event that's happening in my life. And no, it's not the fire that happened outside the church that damaged the church. That's that's little. We'll talk about that again in a little bit. But for me, it's this this thing that, that my daughter Carissa was invited to. Back in December, she got the invitation to go to Egypt on a mission trip. And uh, it's supposed to take place next month. And as usually is the case in our household, Michelle heard it, prayed about it, had peace about it, was good to go. Me, I'm a little slower to adapt to things like that. All right? I don't know if it's just always been that way or if it's that way in your family. Uh, I think maybe it's always been that way. Think about this. The angel came to Mary first and told Mary what was going on. And then kind of caught Joseph up to speed later. He was a slower adapter. But, but I, I, for me, I, I, just, I just wasn't there yet. Okay, I had to spend a little more time for me because I was getting in the way of myself. I, I had to, to pray about it more and really think about it before I could say yes or no. I just didn't have a, a good feeling or, or peace about it. Um, uh, for me, there were some things about the trip that just really I didn't settle well for me. The destination of the trip, right? It's Egypt. It's, there's safety issues involved <clears throat> with that. And also the financial aspect. Excuse me. <clears throat> the financial aspect of the trip was, you know, just kind of overwhelming. That's, that's a lot of money for, for one person to go on a trip. And I began to have this uh, conversation with God. I started saying, hey, God, do you know where Egypt is, right? Do you know how far away that is from where we are? Do you know the turmoil that's kind of in that region of the country? Do you know how important and special Carissa is to her mother and I? Do you understand that, that there are lots of things that are going on uh, in our world? Do you understand that we're kind of busy? we got a lot of stuff going on on our plate. Um, I'm not sure uh, this is the best time of year for her to be gone. We have expenses, you know, braces to pay for, and she's going off to college and those types of things. And, and then I get this phone call as well. Hey, Craig. We would like for you to join us on this trip as well. And maybe this will let you into my mindset just a little bit. Maybe someone else can relate to this as well. But you know the first thought in my brain was? 
it's going to cost twice as much if I go, right? And, and so how do, you, how do you put all that together? It would require time away from my family, time away from, from serving the church, and, and we have another grandson on the way, and just all these things and all this information. And I just kind of tried to let, make sure God knew that all that stuff was going on. So I was just sharing that with him. And here's what I heard from God. He said to me, Craig, you are so right. I wasn't aware of those things. Thank you so much for sharing with me all... I heard nothing like that. You know what happened instead? Thank you, Nancy. Instead, what I continually heard was what I have deemed my life verse, which is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. I kept hearing that. I kept reading it. It came up in the devotions. You know, you get the email devotions. You get the text devotions. It just kept popping up, and I'm like... Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, that's what I kept doing with God. I kept telling him, yeah, yes, but, but God, do you understand? It's as if God was, was telling me through his word and through my wife and even through some of you that, that this, is, this is a good thing. God, I know, God was saying to me, I know your needs. I, I know what you need. I, I, do you think I can't provide what you need? In Numbers chapter 11, we find the story of Moses. And, and in the story... Uh, Moses is with the Israelite nation there out in the desert, and the people are complaining because they didn't have any meat to eat, okay? They didn't want to adopt the vegetarian lifestyle just yet, and so they didn't have any meat, and uh, God God is obviously aware of this situation, and Moses is talking to God, and and he says to, uh, to God, hey God, here's the situation, and God says to them, Um, In Numbers chapter 11, verse 20, I'm going to give you so much meat until it comes out of your nostrils. That's what the text says. That's funny. Numbers 11. You can go back and read that. And and Moses responded to God kind of like I did. He said, hey, God, do you understand where we are? We are out in the middle of the desert. We don't have enough livestock to feed all these people. And then he goes to the extreme. Moses says to God, hey, God, even if we were to catch all the fish in the sea, there still wouldn't be enough to feed all the people here. Have you ever done that with God? Have you kind of said, hey, God, maybe you don't understand the, the, how big this situation is? And, and look at what God says back to Moses. In verse 23 of Numbers chapter 11, God says this. He says, is the Lord's arm too short? Is the Lord's arm too short? He was saying to Moses, Really? You think a little thing like food is a big deal for me? I I am God. And it was as if God was saying to me, really? You think a little thing like finances and safety and distance and time away, you think that's a big deal for me? And what began to grow in me was a little bit of peace, a little bit of faithfulness. I wouldn't say that I had fruit growing just yet, but the buds were beginning to appear. Something was changing. It it was happening. Uh, Something was evident that things were about to change. And maybe some of you can relate to that as well. Maybe you, uh, you want something to change and you feel connected to the vine, but you're just not seeing a whole lot of fruit. Uh, you've been praying for that friend or family member for a long time, and instead of them getting closer to God, you feel like maybe they're even getting farther away from God. And you're like, God, what's the point? What, what's going on here? Maybe you have 
found yourself being very easily angered or frustrated. Maybe you realize that, that you're selfish and, or you struggle with lust or envy or jealousy or, or whatever, and you simply want it gone. Uh, maybe you, there are things in your life that you just cannot seem to get past, and you struggle because you're trying to stay connected. You understand what it means to have that relationship with the Lord, but you're just not seeing any fruit. Jesus said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. The long-term projection of being connected to the vine is that you will produce fruit. It doesn't say you might, it says you will. So what do we do when we don't see the fruit? What do we do when we don't feel like things are changing? First blank there in your bulletin, if you want to write this down, we must remain. We must remain. I'm going to ask for a little audience participation at this point, okay? Can you say those two, two, two of those three words, we remain? Can you say that with me? We remain. I'm going to make a statement, and then I'm going to ask you to say those two words. You ready? When the person you're praying for walks away, we remain. When it feels as though our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, we remain. When we're frustrated with our lack of progress, we remain. When we can't find the answers, we remain. When all hope seems to be fading, we remain. We remain where? We remain what? We remain connected to the vine, not connected to ourselves and our own abilities, not connected to a church building, not connected to even each other. We have to remain connected to God, connected to Jesus. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's critical for us to stay connected if we're going to produce fruit, which means if we're disconnected, or if we don't remain in him, we're not going to produce anything. In verse 6 of that text, it says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. That's not a good ending for the branch, is it? To be gathered up and burned and consumed. And if that's us, we produce nothing. And that makes sense to us. If we're not connected to a vine, if a branch is not connected to a vine, it's not going to produce anything. It's going to wither and die, and it's going to be burned up. So how do we stay connected? What are some of those ways? Well, I just want to throw out a few of them to you. And this is not an exhaustive list. It's just a few things. Reading God's Word is a great way to stay connected to Jesus. God's Word is a powerful source, and it's, it's one of the ways that God, I feel like He spoke to me regarding this Egypt trip. Uh, it, it's one way. Another way is prayer. We know that prayer is important. We know that we're supposed to pray, but do we utilize it? Do we actually spend time, invest our time praying? Worship songs, like what we did this morning. That's a great way to stay connected. We don't do that for a time filler, okay? We don't do that so that it's loud and everybody can arrive late. We do that because it's important for us to worship and to stay connected to the Lord. Now, you can, you can do that by being amazed at God's creation. I, I love a day like today. We worship Him as creator of all. We find joy in life in all, all the different ways to stay connected to the vine. The problem is that one of the problems we have here in central New Jersey, Pennsylvania, this area, is, and maybe across the world, especially in America, is we oftentimes lack the motivation to stay connected because there are lots of things that are calling for our attention, lots of things that are asking us to, to invest in them. A couple of months ago, I challenged you to spend five minutes a day being still and doing nothing before the Lord. 
I also challenge you to spend five minutes a day uh, reading your Bible, just reading God's Word, and just invest the time doing that. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you did that or how many of you are still doing that. But the reality is, if you're like most people, if you did it at all, you're not still doing it. Because me encouraging you or challenging you to do that is short-term motivation, but it's not long-term connectedness. You have to be willing to connect. You have to be motivated to connect in the long term. What motivates people? I know some things that motivate people. When your marriage is falling apart, man, you are motivated to get connected back to God. When you have trouble with your kids, you are motivated to, to okay, what, we need to go to church. We need to figure out what they, how they can help us, right? If we have trouble with our finances, if we lose our job, if our health is deteriorating, we want to connect to Jesus. We want the answers there. And the amazing thing is that God loves us and he shows us grace and compassion and he does not reject us during those times. Instead, he welcomes us as his children and he invites us to connect to him. So what does God say will help us connect to the, to the vine? Uh, I want to give you two guidelines there in your bulletin and invite you to write these down. And as usual, they're simple, but they're not often easy. First thing we need to do is we need to do what Jesus says. There's an easy but not simple one, right? Do what Jesus says. In John chapter 15, uh, Jesus says in verse 11, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Francis Chan illustrates this point this way. Um, He says that these parents told their child to go clean their room, okay? So the child leaves and the child comes back and the parent says, did you clean your room? And the child responds, well, I memorized what you said about me cleaning my room. And the parent says, well, but did you clean your room? Well, I got a tattoo in Hebrew about what you said about cleaning my room. And that way, everyone who sees this tattoo will know that I'm a person who knows what you say about having a clean room. But did you clean your room? I gathered all my friends together and we talked and we prayed and we took notes about what you meant when you said clean your room. We studied it in the Greek. We listened to what others said about cleaning your room so we could better understand what it means to have a clean room. Okay, but did you clean your room? We went to this amazing conference where people from all over the world gathered together and they challenged us how we could clean our room more effectively on a daily basis. But did you clean your room? And I think oftentimes we need to just go clean our room, don't we? We know what God is calling us to do. Maybe he's been calling us to do it for a long time. He's confirmed it with other people. We prayed about it. We've kind of said, okay, someday and all this stuff. And we always come back to the same conclusion that it can just never happen. I just can't do it. But how many times is God going to have to confirm that for you before you just go clean your room? Right? When we realize how quickly our children are going to be grown and gone, don't miss it by being so busy with your activities and their activities and life activities that you miss it. You just time to clean your room. How many times do you need to be encouraged to join a small group before you will actually take the step to go invest in the lives of others and receive so much more of an investment in your life than you could ever imagine? Clean your room. When you're challenged to serve others, Clean your room. Be more generous with your time, your energy, and your resources. Clean your room to to grow together to him by being more aware of his presence. Clean your room. Maybe it's time for you, whatever it is, to just go clean your room. Does that make sense? We need to obey. We need to do what Jesus told us to do. 
He says for us to keep my commands. It's his words, not mine. The second thing I want to suggest, if we're going to stay connected to the vine, we need to love like Jesus loves. Love like Jesus loves. In John chapter 15, verse 12, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And here's the deal. I really personally wish Jesus hadn't added that as I have loved you. Because if he would have just stopped at uh, just love others, then that can make it pretty subjective, right? I can love when I feel like it. I can love as much as you love me, as long as this is a good thing for both of us. But when he adds in there, love each other's others as I loved you, he just raises the bar. He holds us to a higher standard of love. And that's what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus was spending all of his time with his disciples. And prior to when Jesus says this, you know what they were doing? Prior to Palm Sunday when they entered into Jerusalem, you know what the disciples were doing? They were arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom. Remember that? They did that on a, on a, on a handful of occasions. This was one of those occasions. They, they, were, they were saying, um, I don't know who's going to be the greatest. I want to be the greatest. No, I'm going to be. And Jesus says, hey, guys, listen. The greatest among you is going to be the one who serves. It's the one who loves like I love. And when they arrive at dinner, do you remember what Jesus did? He gets up, he grabs a towel, he wraps it around his waist, he grabs the basin, he grabs the jar, and he goes around and he washes the disciples' feet. He is demonstrating to them to love like I love. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want to remain in my love, you need to keep my commands. You need to do what I say. You need to love each other. You need to love as I love you. And Jesus, in the very next verse, John chapter 15, verse 13, he explains what type of love he's talking about. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus raises the bar on what it means for you and I to love. He he reaffirms what we know in the two greatest commandments, which are to love who? Love God. The second commandment is love others, right? Those are the two greatest commandments. And Jesus says we need to do that. We need to obey him and we need to love him and love others. And here's what I would propose to you. I think it is impossible for us to love other people unless we are truly connected to the vine. Because on our own, we just really can't do that very well. We try, but we're just not very successful. We love because God first loved us. And as we are connected to the vine, we're able to love other people more. And as we love other people more, we are more connected to the vine. It's, it's a circular thing that feeds off of one another, and that's why it is so important. I told you, you know, a few minutes ago about the opportunity that Carissa and I have to go to Egypt and all of my concerns. Well, it's all been taken care of, basically. Um, Ian is going to speak one week while I'm gone. Greg Hubbard's going to speak another week. The, the team has actually has contacts on the police force in the area in which we're going to be, so they monitor the situation closely to you know because they're concerned for our safety as well. Virtually all the incidents that have been reported that we hear about that are always so bad are far removed from where they actually are because where they are, are in the poor areas and people aren't really arguing in the poor areas. And so that's kind of been alleviated, uh, that, that fear. Financially, with the money we've been able to contribute and, and the generosity of se- several of you and one couple in particular uh, made it financially viable for Carissa and I to go, and I just want to say thank you for that. And this whole process has taught me a couple of things. 
that the people who are supporting this endeavor through your words of encouragement, through your prayers, and, and, and even financially, and those of you who are showing your concern for us and for our safety, who have sent me emails and written me letters and text messages and phone calls saying, hey, I really wish you wouldn't go. Can I just tell you thank you for those as well? Because what all of that shows me is that you love us. You're loving others. And that tells me that that you're connected to the vine because you have a genuine concern for other people. You're willing to give sacrificially for other people. You're willing to invest your time and your your resources and and your prayers on behalf of other people. Thank you for that. And And it shows that as you love others, you're connected to God. And as you're connected to God, you love others. And it just feeds on itself. And when we are connected to him, I truly believe that it begins to grow in us those fruits of the Spirit. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so my question for you is, as I name those, do you see any of those growing in your life? Is there any love, joy? Is there peace? Do you have any patience, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control? Do you see any of those actually growing in your life? Because that's what we're called to do. And if we will stay connected to the vine and begin producing those fruit because of our connectedness through the Lord, then we will begin to see that God can do some amazing things in our life. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So my challenge for you today is are you connected to the vine? The band's going to come, I don't know who all is coming to to play, and we're going to have a time of of worship and a time of response and an opportunity for you to kind of ask yourself and to do business with God and say, am I connected to the vine? Maybe you need to be connected to him for the first time. Maybe it is that that you've been trying to do it on your own, and it's time to not be a branch that is all withered and and looks bad, and you may be in soil, but it might not be the right soil. You, You need to connect to the vine to begin producing fruit. Maybe you've been connected to stuff over there that's just is kind of promising all this stuff, but it's, it's just like a, a Ponzi scheme. There's really nothing there. And it's time to get connected to the true vine. I, I don't know where each of you are in your life. I don't know who, who needs to be connected in a, more, in a more deep way. I don't know if you need to be connected for the first time. The amazing thing is that God's word tells us that we can be grafted into the vine and we can begin producing fruit. And we invite you to do that today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me where you are. If you want to talk to someone uh, about uh, anything going on in your life, if you want someone to pray with you, I've asked the leadership team and the prayer team to, to just kind of join me over here. And we're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to, you know, single you out. We're not going to hold you up for a long time. But if you could just make your way over to this side, we'd love to pray with you and meet with you right over there. Let's sing.